Here we go. All right. Did I maintain? Uh, Troy, you still there? I'm here. Dr. S- John Smith, you there? <laughs> I am here. Did, did you hear uh, John Troy? What? Did you hear John yes. Troy? Yes. Troy, did you hear John? John, John did you hear Troy? <laughs> I hear everything. <laughs> I, think, I think we're good, Scott. Okay, here we go. <laughs> The podcast is called Who Cares About Men's Health, providing information, inspiration, and motivation to understand and engage in your health so you feel better today and in the future. My name is Scott Singpill. I am the manager of thescoperadio.com, and I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. Troy Madsen. I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. John Smith, a non-surgical urologist at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. Second time we've had Dr. Smith on the show. The first time, Troy, it took a little uh, warming up to Dr. Smith, but finally at the end of the episode, gave him some applause. So they've become fast friends. And it's great to have you back on the show, Dr. Smith. Sure to appreciate you coming on and talking about some urology, urological uh, sort of issues. So. Thanks for having me back. Quick question before we get to the topic. And today we're going to talk about erectile dysfunction because Dr. Smith was telling me that that's a reason. One of the reasons, one of the big things that he sees on a daily basis is uh, guys coming in with some sort of an issue. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. We're going to give you the real information. So it's not like you're getting it from the friends on the playground. That's the Internet, by the way, in case you're not catching my reference there. Uh, You're going to get it actually from the doctor's mouth. So that's going to be awesome. So. Troy, I have a question for you. Yeah. So um, at one point, you talked about how in the ER you call urologists sometimes to do, do some procedures. What are some of the reasons that you have urologists come to the ER? Uh, one time you said that if you're having difficulty inserting a catheter, you might have to have a urologist come and then you know do that for you. What, what are their reasons? Uh, sometimes we call them for kidney stones. That's probably one of the more common reasons. If it's a very large stone that's just likely not going to pass on its own or an infected stone where the patient has a big kidney stone or even a smaller kidney stone and a bladder infection, kidney infection along with it. Uh, we do call them for trauma related, you know, trauma related injuries, whether that's a tear of the urethra or sometimes even a penile fracture. So, Scott, you may hear that and say, wait, is there a bone in the penis that gets fractured? Is that there's was, not. Was that your thought? Well, I mean, I know there's not, though. I mean, <laughs> there's not. Sixth, sixth grade Scott would have thought that. But <laughs> <Sixth> grade Scott <laughs> would have thought that. Seventh grade Scott knew better. <laughs> he wised up quickly. He yeah. Did. But no, it's referred to as a penile fracture. It's a tear in, 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 in uh, John can. Describe it in more detail, but a tear in well, the... Well, uh, or not. <laughs> yeah, or not. It's, it's an incredibly painful thing. I will say that. Having seen men with penile fractures, it looks incredibly painful. So we will call them for that as well. I will say along the lines of erectile dysfunction, I was working a night shift once and a man came in at 6 a.m. and he said, my woman said, you leave the house and you go to the ER and you don't come back until you get that fixed. <laughs> we did oh, wow. not call urology for that. We didn't do that to them. <laughs> but, but I have seen quote unquote, erectile dysfunction emergencies, at least in the mind of the individual <laughs> in the ER as well. So again, I did not call urology and, and, and push that on them, but it would have been funny. Dr. Smith, you would actually handle some of that stuff, though, even though you don't necessarily go into the ER. Um, but don't they use like uh, for kidney stones, don't they use uh, sound waves now for a lot of that sort of thing? 
So they can. Um, there's multiple different ways to treat kidney stones. We could probably do a show on that. But well, they, let's do that. Yeah. Well, okay. Fair enough. Not, not right now, but some. Yeah, someday. We've got yeah. we've got more pressing topics to get to. That's that's fair. But yeah, they there is something called a, a lithotripsy, um, and they use a machine where they put a little bag of of uh, feels like a bag of water, like a gel bag against uh, against your back, and they find the stone with uh, with an X ray, and uh, then they send shockwaves in to to break it up. Wow, that's pretty cool. Technology is yeah. awesome. All right, so let's talk about erectile dysfunction. One of the main reasons guys come and see you and just uh, want to break it on down. So help us kind of understand what's going on, what you as a urologist do to help men um, solve their problem. And, you know, just, I think in general, make men that are struggling with this feel that it's okay because it is okay. So it is where, okay. where would you start? Yeah, where do you where should we even start this conversation? I'm not good with sensitive conversations. Well, you so. just you just start by digging in. There's no uh, there's no way to just uh, waltz around this thing and hope that it uh, it it comes to you. Right. Um, I, I would say you know a lot of men come in with erectile dysfunction. It can come be it can be a reason where there's multiple different reasons. Um, you know, but overall erectile dysfunction, the definition of it is the inability to achieve or maintain an erection that's adequate for sexual function. And so, you know, it's estimated that about 18 million men in the United States have erectile dysfunction. So guys, you're, you're not alone. Um, that's a pretty sizable number. Um, you know, some of them seek treatment, some don't, um, you know, this condition can, you know, can affect people in a lot of different ways in their relationships. So it's one of those things where you might as well come in and have a conversation. Yeah. Um, so it's not just about um, erectile dysfunction. It can cause psychological issues. Are there other health issues that men should be aware of? Sure. So, you know, it can be a, a harbinger of cardiovascular problems, um, other things like that. Folks with longstanding diabetes often have uh, erectile issues. Um you know, there, there's multiple health problems that can cause or precipitate uh, erectile dysfunction. And, and so those are good, good reasons to come in as well. So is my ability to not get in or maintain an erection is not because I've become less of a man. It could actually be a medical symptom to a bigger problem, or it could just be mental or what are some of the other causes? Absolutely. So, you know, it could be psychogenic, which means that, you know, guys, they, they like to think if it doesn't work once, it's never going to work again. Um, and so that that brings in some uh, some gentlemen, um, you know, there can be again, diabetes can be a problem. People with known vascular problems, people who've had prostate cancer and had surgery or radiation oftentimes have a decreased uh, quality of erections. Um, and then, you know, sometimes we don't know, we call it idiopathic, you know, they, there's not a reason for you to have erectile dysfunction, um, but you do, um, you know, it's not necessarily an age thing, but as men age, generally the quality of their erection, you know, d declines some. Um, but those are kind of the things that uh, we kind of overview with folks when they come in to have a chit chat. And, you know, John, so it sounds like there are a lot of different things that maybe could cause it. But how do you really determine if someone has erectile dysfunction? Like what's what do you use just to say, yeah, it sounds like this is definitely erectile dysfunction versus eh, maybe you don't have a problem. So generally, I ask a few questions, you know. Do you have a decreased ability to attain or maintain an erection? Oftentimes, you know, it's not one or the other. It's both for folks. I ask them how, how rigid their erection is compared to uh, an erection that they had when they were having quality erections. And one of the big ones for most people is, you know, 
is it adequate for, you know, sexual function? Um, and so if it's not, that's a good indication that it's erectile dysfunction. Um, that's true erectile dysfunction. And when a guy comes in, uh, and you ask him the questions, how often is the next word out of his mouth or the first word actually when he even walks into your office? Um, yeah, I have a problem and I, I need some pills. I mean, is that kind of the, the first thing that you get asked? Uh, not always. Some men come in and that's kind of what they want. And and in a way, that's that's not a bad uh, a bad way to look at it because the pills generally work for all comers of erectile dysfunction. Doesn't matter or doesn't matter why you have it. Um, 70 to 80 percent of patients with erectile dysfunction are treated adequately with medication. So again, that's not a bad way to go, but it, it, it does warrant a little bit of investigation at times. So there's two different types. Uh, it sounds like uh, getting and maintaining or and then maybe even a third having the quality of an erection that, um, you know, is adequate enough for sex. Uh, you give the man the pills uh, and then you send him on his way. Is that that or uh, are there other potential treatments that you might have to look at? So I generally, if you're going to come to me, I'll generally do a, a workup for you. Um, the American Urologic Association has guidelines that they put out for everything. And, and I tend to try to follow those guidelines. One of them is to make sure that there's not a hormone hormonal issue where I'll check kind of a hypogonadism panel, make sure that everything's working as far as, you know, testosterone, hormones, things like that. Um, if I feel like after getting a history from you that there's maybe a cardiac issue or, you know, you're a, a diabetic that, you know, may struggle with controlling your diabetes, I may refer you back to other folks before we get you started on medications, things like that. Um, but generally, you know, looking at, at all those reasons, it's not just as simple as saying, here's some pills, uh, go, go and uh, let me know how it works out. Uh, you know, but in certain cases where, you know, we do the workup and we don't really find a reason and they do well with pills, you know, it's not a, not a bad way to, to treat them as long as, as we work it up and, and look at it the right way. Speaking of pills, John, and, you know, the work that you mentioned, I'm sure we've all seen the ads on TV. You're seeing them more and more now, especially if you watch sports uh, for some of these online things where you basically it sounds like probably chat online with someone and then get um, uh, medication for erectile dysfunction. W what's your thought on that? Is that a reasonable route to go for someone who's maybe embarrassed to go in to see a physician or any any insight into that? You know, I think every the, those you know, those, those companies have a place. Um, I'm, you know, one of the companies, I think the, one of the guys that started it actually had a cardiac issue and that's why he had erectile dysfunction. So they kind of mentioned that in some of their advertising where it kind of, you know, it makes sense to maybe talk to your primary doctor as well. Um, you know, the, the big thing for me is making sure that people are taken care of the right way. If you were my, my dad or my brother, um, how would I want you treated? And I think that sometimes those guys may miss some steps. I've never used them to know a hundred percent, but you know, I think looking at everything as a whole and making sure that there's not some underlying problem is important. Um, however, if it's impacting your relationship or there's different, you know, reasons, I could see a reason why you would utilize those services. No, no question. You said the pills uh, take care of a majority of men's problems in the instance that pills don't work. What do you start looking at at that point? So in, in general, our, 
kind of the algorithm that, that I use is, you know, if, if medication, uh, oral medication isn't effective, um, I'll generally refer you to have a, an ultrasound done, a penile Doppler ultrasound, where I'll look for a possible cause of your erectile dysfunction at that point. And the reason that I don't do that first is, is it requires us, we usually do it with a, a medication called Trimix, um, which is three medications that will produce an artificial erection. And most men aren't jumping to, to get a needle put into their, into oh, their penis. Yeah, sure. um, granted, it's a small needle. It's like a diabetic uh, needle that you would use. But most men aren't, aren't interested in trying that first. So I'll generally look at that next and see if I can come up with the actual reason that they may have an issue um, and, and see if there's, you know, there's a, a blood flow problem and different things like that. And, and then after that, the, the options that we have for treatment are, again, if that medication works well to give an artificial erection, you can continue to use that. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's other surgical options um, that are out there as well. So, so, John, I guess getting back at treatment, obviously medication, injection, surgical options. What if someone comes to you and just says, hey, I just don't like taking medications. Is there anything else I can do? Is there anything you recommend in that situation? Or do you just say, probably want to try some pills first? So there's always things you can do. Diet and exercise has been shown to be uh, to be effective in helping, you know, mild erectile dysfunction um, to improve the quality of an erection. Um, it's not as as effective as medication as you know the uh, the Viagra, Cialis, Levitra medications, um, but it has been shown to provide some benefit to improving the quality of erection. And I think, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is who cares about men's health. And you guys often speak about taking care of yourself. And I think if, if we're all smart about that and we take care of ourselves and look at the, you know, take care of our diet, different things like that, make sure that we're healthy. It, it does improve the quality uh, of your sexual function. Does the pill also help in the instances of maintaining or can that be other things? Absolutely. So, you know, for some folks who have difficulty maintaining, sometimes a constriction band, the the layman's term that everyone uses is a cock ring. Um, you can utilize that to help maintain an erection if you have a venous leak where more outflow of blood is coming out of the penis than than the inflow can can support and that can be very effective for for men with that issue um i would say that's a a lower percentage of the patients that you see with erectile dysfunction but when it works it works really well for folks too many stories from the er with the cock ring too many oh uh, we won't really? go there we will like, we like things gone wrong, but we won't go there. <laughs> I'll give you. A, I'll give you a two second uh. story that you'll you can edit out. We took, <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> we we took a we took a family vacation when I was in uh, in residency out to Hershey Park. Uh, I was in you know, New York. So it was a close drive. And we stayed in a hotel, went to there the next, the, you know, Hershey Park the next day, we were going for like two days, which if you ever go, don't go for two days, you only need one. <laughs> um, Been there. <laughs> but uh, I wake up the in the morning, we're getting ready to go to the park and my kid comes over and she goes, dad, look at this ring I found in the drawer. And it's this silicone spiky little <laughs> ring. And my wife's jaw just drops. And I look over and I go, Drop it and go wash your hands oh. immediately, child. Well, our department chair in residency was doing teaching rounds and, you know, they had a, a patient who, who his complaint was he had a cock ring on, he couldn't get it, get it off. And, and, and the, uh, 
the department chair did not know what a cock ring was. All the residents there were just totally silent, did not say a word to try and tell him this is what it is. So, so we'll just look this up and goes over to the computer and types in and all these images just start coming up. And it's like, oh, oh okay, let's shut this down. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we've, we've seen some uh, crazy things, but... Uh, I feel a little left out. I'm the only one without a story. <laughs> just, you, can, you can make one up. You could. Just I guess tell I one. haven't. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't could, lived apparently because I don't have a. Not. I have a story to share. Both of you yeah. sound like you've got even more of them, and I have none. I Unfortunately, have yes, but we won't go there. <laughs> Troy, actually, I do want to ask you. So, I mean, you have seen. Is, do you have any advice if somebody is using one based on what you've seen in the ER that you want to avoid? My advice. I mean, are if we going to get into one? some? Are we going to get into some argument here with Doctor Smith uh, about like you don't think they're safe, and he says they are? I don't worried. think Doctor Smith will argue with this. My one piece of advice is: if you use a cock ring, don't leave it on for three days. It's a bad idea. Oh. That's a fact. It's a bad idea. Yep. I think yeah. we're all on the same page there. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Follow the directions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they come with directions. I thought they probably. <laughs> Read the directions. Yeah. Well, they, they should come with directions. If they don't, you should probably get one that does. Have we covered the topic well enough? I mean, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know for sure. Uh, I, it seems like we've covered the important points that somebody might have. Did we leave anything out, Dr. Smith? I mean, I, I talk about the, this all day, every day. So there's always plenty more to talk about. But I think uh, that gets the ball rolling. If you haven't seen a urologist by that point, you probably should. Okay, sounds good. And if you have further specific questions, of course, you can reach out to us here at the at the Who Cares About Men's Health podcast. A lot of different ways to do it, um, which we will put in the links to the show notes, including hello at the scoperadio.com. You can call our scope line 60155-SCOPE. You can do Facebook direct messages and you can use the name John Smith and just asking for a friend if you feel a little, little shy about the whole thing. You know what? I'm proud of us. We really more or less got through this without making a lot of jokes. Like we've kept the jokes to a minimum. So that's good. Yeah. I Or, or is that bad? I it could be bad. I, I mean, it depends on the the uh, the viewership, what they think. If, if it's, yeah. you know, if they wanted more jokes, they should probably ask for them. Do you find when a man comes in to talk to you about erectile dysfunction that they tend to have a little bit of a different personality? Do they tend to deal with it by joking a lot more? Uh, than you think they might normally in real life. I mean, what's the demeanor of your average patient? Average patient, I say, I would say comes in a little bit gun shy. Um, most of them don't want to come in and talk about it, uh, especially the older generation of, uh, of men that I see in the office. The ones that are kind of just throw caution to the wind, don't care, are generally the guys who've had prostate cancer, where they were told before they had their treatment that this is likely going to cause erectile dysfunction. So they come in and they're like, Hey, I just had surgery. I have erectile dysfunction. What are you going to do? And it makes sense, right? Because they've got a medical reason now getting back to this whole, you know, stigma about, are you less of a man if you can't get it up and do those sorts of things? There's, there's not a stigma there anymore, right? Right. There was a medical procedure that was done beyond their control that caused this to happen. Right. And they, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, they've already been through a wild roller coaster of, of being diagnosed with, you know, cancer and, and the un, the unknown there. And, and so a lot of times they're coming in and, and they're just like, Hey, is there anything we can do? I hope so. Um, but they're, they're very, you know, happy to, to kind of be through that, uh, that mental roller coaster. 
And John, along those lines, uh, you mentioned our, our listenership. A large number of our women are, or large number of our women, a large number of our listeners are women. Uh, how often do you have where people are coming in with their significant other or they say they've been encouraged to come in? Is that something you see often? Prior to the pandemic, yes, they used to, a lot of couples would come in together. Um, and oftentimes the, the spouse, uh, partner is very supportive, uh, of the individual coming in, um, because, you know, that intimacy is an important part of their relationship that they've kind of lost and they, they want it back. And so I, I did see quite a bit of that now with the visitor policies and things being different. Um, after the pandemic, I've even had a couple of patients say, Hey, can, can we FaceTime or can we, you know, WhatsApp or, or whatever? Uh, with my with my partner so that we can, you know, have this conversation together. So they're all on the same page, which which is great. Dr. Smith, as we wrap this up, um, just kind of give us your final thought. I think you've given uh, the men that listen to this show that might be um, uh, suffering from this problem. Uh, hopefully some good information to go seek help and know what to expect. But any kind of final thoughts on this for a guy that's on the fence? Yeah, there's just no reason to feel uh, feel bad in any way about it. This is a, a normal thing. Like I said earlier, 18 million men in the United States have this issue. So um, you're one of a you're one of a big group, and uh, there's no reason to wait to uh, to feel better and uh, Im- improve. You know your relationships and and, uh, and your confidence in that area. Fine work. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Doctor Smith, and thank you for caring about men's health. Time for odds and ends on who cares about men's health. We just have one item, and that is in reference to last week's episode about kettlebells. Possibly something you might want to do. Uh, A lot of people, their gyms are closed or you don't want to go to the gym. That's certainly the situation I found myself in. I also used to do just traditional weight training, and I wanted to see if I can get more of a full body, natural movement sort of an exercise routine going. So I wanted to do kettlebells, and Caleb helped get me started. And Troy, I'm happy to report that those kettlebells that I bought in that parking lot at the Walgreens in uh, Bountiful, Utah. Looked like some sort of a drug deal going down, but no, it was for kettlebells. I have started sniffing around them kind of like a dog sniffs around stuff. So I have started using them. I've started implementing some of the swings and the squats and the deadlifts that Caleb recommended. And I'll tell you, I really like them. Now I'm moving really slowly because it's a different type of exercise than I've done before. So I'm watching the he- you know how heavy of a weight I'm using. I'm also just really kind of not trying to do too many reps. I've got a, a really light one up in my office. So I take little breaks uh, while I'm working. I stand up because, you know, you can sit for so long and I'll do some exercises with that little light 10 pound one. I've got an 18 pound one in the office. And then the big boys, those are out in the garage and I go outside mm. and I do the swings and the those cleans. Your, your 35 pounders. <laughs> yeah. And my, my nice. full, my full pood. Is, uh, food. They, they call yeah. it in kettlebells. Uh, yeah. uh, the 35 pounds, it's called a pood. That's, That's when you swing, swing the pood in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do it out in the backyard. <laughs> in but the backyard. I am really enjoying it. And I just wanted to update you that I'm, I'm, I'm really digging kettlebells. So uh, yeah. if you've been, you know, haven't been doing some sort of strength training routine and they say you should do 30 minutes at least three times a week, week of strength training, uh, go back, listen to the last episode about kettlebells. Get some do's and don'ts, get a basic little routine and, uh, you know, check out that episode. Well, I have not bought my kettlebells yet, but it was very convincing. I'm thinking about it. Like you said, supply and demand right now. Supply is not in our favor. Demand oh, no. is definitely high. So it's it's a challenge getting kettlebells right now, but I would like to try them out. I highly recommend it. And I would sing it, but I... No, 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 no. <laughs> Troy, 
do the honors of singing, You've been thunderbugged. I can't do that, Scott. Come on. Thunderbugged. I'd have to maintain some sense of dignity. Thunderbugged. I'm sorry. I can't. I think you already did it. Eat this, don't eat that. It can be really confusing out there when it comes to nutrition. And there's a lot of stuff on the internet. Is it true or is it false? Well, we're going to try to find out again uh, with Thunder Jalili. He's our nutrition expert here on the Who Cares About Men's Health podcast. And this is a segment we call Truth or Thunder Debunked. So I'm going to give Thunder a statement here and I want him to tell us if it's truth or if he is going to Thunder debunk it. Frozen fruits and vegetables are less nutritious than fresh ones. Truth? Or thunder debunk. Oh, I'm gonna have to go with thunder debunked on that one. So Ooh, that surprises me. Yeah, this it's actually they're they're depending on the context, it could be somewhat similar. Um, let me just give you a really quick background. So if you think about like uh, fresh fruits and vegetables that you buy in your grocery store, got to remember that uh, product is not as fresh as you think. It was probably picked. Um, days or weeks before it found its way to the grocery store. And it was probably picked before it was ripe. And it ripened uh, during transit and, and, and delivery. So, so that uh, means you're probably not getting the optimal nutrients in that in the first place. Now, frozen fruits and vegetables, they're picked when they're actually ripe and then they're, you know, subjected to the, to the, to the freezing process and 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 so they may have you know a little better nutrient content, but of course the process of freezing them and blanching them that may degrade some of the nutrients. So, kind of at the end of the day, when you look at both, um, they're about the same. Hmm. Now, the one exception for fresh is if you have a farmer's market close to you and you go there to buy fruits and vegetables, chances are you're buying something that was just picked in the last you know couple of days. In that case, that is the most nutritious version of the fruit or vegetable you can get because a ripe fruit has the peak nutrient content. And those were picked when they were ripe before they came to the farmer's market. So the statement as it stands, frozen fruits and vegetables are less nutritious than fresh ones. Uh, Again, thunder thunder modified. (laughs) Thunder modified. Sounds like if you've got the fruit tree in your backyard and you're picking it off the fruit tree and eating it, that's that's the best you can get. That's the best you can get. Or yeah. farmer's market. You know, you got to make a pitch for farmer's markets, you know, especially when stuff is in season. That's that's really the highest quality produce you're, you're going to find anywhere. Hmm. Fascinating, though, that frozen fruits and vegetables and fresh ones that you perhaps might get at the grocery store because they were picked, you know, and ripened on transit are uh, essentially equal, though. So, Thunder, as always, thank you very much. We appreciate uh, your participation on the Who Cares About Men's Health podcast with Truth or Thunder Debunked. Time for just going to leave this here on who cares about men's health. Could be something to do with health. Might be something random. I'm going to start. Just going to leave this here. I am going to encourage you, Troy, and our listeners to unleash your inner puppy. Hmm. I want you to unleash your inner puppy. So we have a brand new puppy. His name is Murphy. Uh, I say puppy. He's in the body of an adult dog at this point. He's six months old. You look at him. It's hard to remember. This is still a puppy. He behaves like an adult dog, but every once in a while you see the puppy in him. And the moments you see the puppy in him is like when we're outside and he like will find a leaf (laughs) and pick it up and throw it around and chase it and bite it and try to keep it away from you. There are other little moments where he does puppy things. And that made me think like back to times that we've talked about for your own sanity and mental health. You should play. 
And whether that's a hobby that you get into that flow state because you enjoy it so much, whether that's a sport that you like to play either by yourself or with other individuals, I think we forget to play and we forget the benefits of playing on our mental health and our emotional health. And I've talked to psychiatrists who say that this can actually recharge you. You know, we always talk about taking days off or vacations to recharge you, but it's also about what you do. So I'm encouraging you to uh, release that inner puppy because it can help you unwind and uh, be ready to take on what's going to, you know, happen the next day or the next week. I can speak from personal experience that I find myself recharged after doing that. And maybe if you have kids, maybe that just means, you know, when you play with them, just get totally lost in it. Just get totally lost as a kid in it. And it can be hard because our adult brains kick in and we go, oh, I'm being silly. I'm being stupid. But, you know, just try it. Unleash your inner puppy. Great advice. Well, since you have a new puppy, Scott, I'm going to share my puppy advice with you. We have Charlotte, who you know. She's a pretty young dog. We guess she was probably maybe eight or nine months old when she, she, we got her. She had puppies herself, but we joked that she was like a teenage mom. Like she wanted nothing to do with her puppies. She'd feed them and then she'd just come up and play. She was a very young dog. And Charlotte had a habit and still has a habit of eating our remote control for our TV. Uh, So what I do now, I keep a spare remote. I have actually found like the original (laughs) remote I was trying to buy. Like I bought this stupid magic remote a couple of times that cost 50 bucks after she ate it. And then I just said, forget it and found some cheap $8 remote on Amazon. So each time she eats the remote, I buy a new remote and I then have a spare remote for when she eats the next remote. So then it (laughs) takes us a week to get the next remote. The good news is I just looked, we've gone through three months now without her eating a remote. So I hope your puppy does not eat your remotes. But if you do, you know, I can share my advice on uh, stocking on remotes and making sure you have a steady supply so you can continue to watch your TV with your puppy. Our uh, dog uh, does have a little bit of a chewing thing, but we've kept just chew toys around. And so far that has satiated his need to chew. So we'll see. Good. That's great. But good advice on the remote. Time to say the things that uh, you say at the end of podcast, because we are at the end of our podcast. Troy, kick it off with the how you can hear us. Of course, I mean, that's kind of redundant because somebody's hearing us right now. They already know. Right. Well, you can subscribe. Please subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, whether it's Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. I'm going to mention Pocket Cast, Scott, because you don't like them, but my sister uses Pocket Cast. So does producer Mitch. So does producer Mitch. They're like uh, the four people that do the the people. people that do people. They're two of the yeah, four. Two of the four who are still using. They probably still have Hotmail accounts as well. <laughs> Actually, Hotmail doesn't even exist anymore, I found AOL out. AOL accounts, they probably <laughs> yeah, they yeah, they have AOL accounts. All right. And also then if you want to get in contact with us, there's a couple of ways to do that. And that entails, you know, uh, if you have a question you want to ask about a health topic, a suggestion, anything of that nature, hello at thescoperadio.com. That's the email. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash who cares men's health. And there's also a phone number. You can leave a recorded message and that's 601-55-SCOPE. That's 601-55-SCOPE. Whatever you're comfortable with. We would love it if you'd reach out and say hi. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring about men's health.